that there is, even in the heart of a, of a group, a certain heart, a certain center. We get in tune with that center, and it's not that we all agree. I myself don't agree at all with myself. I'm constantly challenging things that I've thought or written or whatever, and in fact they have to stand and deliver, they have to prove themselves. And uh, in the process I'm saying, wait a minute, does that really work? And sometimes it happens that I've gone to bed thinking really well of something that I've written, that it really said it the way I wanted to in the morning. I look at it and I thought, my God, did I do that? What a fool! It didn't work at all. Well, we have to do that with ourselves and with a group. So I don't mean uh, that we have to have the kind of uh, um, unanimity of lockstep togetherness. But we don't want that kind of nagging criticism either. We need to say, okay, here may be a better solution, not to have the kind of attitude that says, well, I don't like this, I don't like that. What are you doing that for? What are we doing that for? That doesn't work. But if we can basically agree on where we're going and what we're trying to do, there not only is room for, but there's a crying need for that kind of discriminating disagreement that can add to the pile rather than detract from it. And in that way, Ananda is actually a wonderful example to the world. I was just mentioning in a talk here in Italy a couple of Sundays ago, I think it was, of uh, maybe it was even last Sunday, I don't remember now, but I was mentioning how in our committee meetings there's always agreement at the end. There may be questions, there may be uh, talking, but it's always in a spirit of unity, of let's, we're doing this together, let's add to the heap, let's not just sort of scatter everything to the winds, let's not sit there and grumble and say it won't work. But I've seen that at the end of these meetings there's always, you don't need to take a vote, people agree. And one of the basic reasons for that is, two of the basic reasons, one is we ask what is good for everybody, not just what do I want. In fact, never say what do I want? I never write that way and uh, never compose that way. I say, what does God want? What is needed? And what is good for everybody? In that case, for example, when writing music, which particular progression of chords or of melody will help the, per the person listening? Which one will uplift him or which will leave him sort of confused and not knowing quite why I did that? And. Uh, the uh, other thing is to ask, what does God want? In other words, everything that you do, because you can't sit there and wait for a voice to speak out of the clouds. It doesn't happen that way. But what does happen is that you say, uh, you hold what you're thinking up to the divine will. And if it doesn't feel right, you know it's not right. If it adds to the inspiration that you feel from superconsciousness, from your attunement, if it adds to that, if it resonates with that, then it's good. That's why I say that every note that I've written, every chord that I've written, has been sincere, because I've done it that way. It isn't that I've liked it or thought it was a convenient out or anything. In fact, it's been an advantage in a way not to know that much about, about composition because I didn't know the rules and couldn't say, well, 
it's good enough. If it didn't work, it wouldn't be good enough. I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a convenient answer because I wouldn't know it. Well, the same thing with the starting of Ananda and with our continuing with Ananda in the years to come. The more we can do it with a spirit of what's good for everybody and everybody thinking not in lockstep togetherness but in harmony that we all, for one thing and for one very obvious thing, are trying to do a good thing. And with that basic thought, we have to respect other people, uh, even if they disagree with us, that they too are trying to do a good thing. Therefore, we have respect for each other's opinions, even when we don't agree. The next thing is that we all want to do a godly thing. And in this, the, the uh, options become fewer. And yet, uh, they're all there. And the more we uh, try to attune ourselves to them, the more we find that there is a certain joy that comes. And that's what happens at our meetings. Ananda is a fantastic example of working together. So when I look back to my life with Master, I recognize several things that he said to me that indicate to me now quite clearly that he did see me working alone. He saw me not working with the other disciples. I had a different kind of work to do. But he also saw me working in tune with him. And I do not feel myself to be working separately from his other disciples. And that's the next point that I wanted to make, that there should not be a sense of rivalry. Oh, he did it this well, let's see if I can do it better. There shouldn't be that. There should be the thought of competing against ourselves, of doing the best thing we can possibly do. But there is a temptation, because SRF attacked us in the law courts, and uh, um, there's a temptation to feel, to make comparisons that are unflattering to them and flattering to ourselves. Not only is that bad for our own egos, but it's bad for Master's work. We need to understand that we are all like the fingers of one hand. Each finger has its own function. Each finger is different from all the others. And each disciple of Master and each ray of Master's disciples, each one will be doing a, a, a function, but each will complete a larger picture. And so what I plead with you, if I have any legacy to leave you, uh, it is this, that we always, in our hearts and in spirit, if we're not allowed to do so in fact, work with Master's disciples, never against them. Work always in a spirit of respect and harmony, and never in a spirit of uh, rivaling what they are doing or feeling, well, they aren't doing it as well as they ought to because we're doing it the, that way. Don't think that way. They have their reasons for what they're doing. And I know those people, as none of you do. And I know that they're great souls. No matter what facts we see, uh, those are trivial. Each person, as I say, if we look at our lives, we can see so many things we could have done better. Of course we could. If we look at our lives, imagine them even from a higher perspective, thinking of uh, um, 
well, a, a God's eye view of our lives, for example.